Dr. Tony Colucci was front and center in November 2005, and he helped save Yuri Fisher's life, a Red Wings defenseman that had collapsed on the bench when his heart stopped. And not only was there a defibrillator there, not only was there uh, a, a real sense of urgency, Fisher had collapsed for six minutes, but it certainly brought back painful and yet progressive memories of that when we watched what happened to DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills in the first quarter of the Bills-Bengals game on Monday night. So I talked to Dr. Colucci about what he saw Monday, what this could possibly be, and ways in which we have to be proactive, especially with younger athletes, that this could potentially happen to. That conversation from Thursday's Toronto Today. Good morning. Thank you, Greg. When you saw some of the coverage and some of the reaction Monday uh, to what happened to DeMar Hamlin, it, it, it must have transported you back to, wow, we're talking uh, close to 17 and a half years ago with what happened to, uh, to Yuri Fisher. Correct. Yeah, the, uh, the uh, collection of uh, the medical team on the field and you know, the, the sense of urgency, emergency when a player goes down uh, you know, obviously in real time, not really knowing what happened, you know, and with concussion on the forefront of our newspapers or on the mm-hmm. media that you don't know what happened. And uh, so, yeah, definitely transported me back to that sudden uh, event that happened with Yuri 17 years ago. My recollection, he, he collapsed on the bench itself after being uh, on the shift. He just recently gotten back to the bench. Take us back, if, if you can take the audience, into it, it, the, the process by which you end up quickly on the bench. I mean, you, you can't be – you're not on the bench on, on a – you know, a, for two and a half straight hours during a game, but you got to get there fast if something like this happens. And this was obviously the most dire of circumstances for Yuri. Yeah, uh, fortunately, you know, my position in the arena was uh, I had been three three rows behind the bench, which we were set up a little bit up in the air in the bleachers, and so I had good proximity. So that's part of, you know, what you saw on Monday, you know, uh, response time. So when I, you know, when Fish had collapsed on the bench, you know, I hear, you know, they call for me immediately and basically getting down off of the bench onto the uh, bench was within seconds. So the response time and then, you know, assessing his status when he was unconscious and assessing for a pulse. So when, you know, you don't detect a pulse, you immediately go into action with getting the airway and uh, making sure his breathing, but you're going to have to assist his breathing because he's not breathing and get on his chest and do chest compressions and then getting the AED set up, ready to go. So you, I mean, within seconds, you know, we had got, uh, he had received, you know, medical uh, care and applied the AED and let it do its analysis and see if we need a shock or no shock. How long after? We, I, was at, I was at a benefit. I'm sorry, Greg. I, I was at a benefit being in close proximity. Yeah, huge benefit. How, how long after that evening, and, and Yuri Fisher's life was saved, he lives a normal life now, but he never was able to play another NHL game. How long after can you get testing back to determine just that, that, that he wouldn't be able to continue his hockey career? Uh, yeah, you know, I wasn't uh, privy to a lot of the personal uh, conversation with him and the cardiologist that I went through, but uh, yeah, it was uh, you know, months of you know workup and testing and evaluations, you know, and, and a lot of back and forth because, of course, you know, 
these guys uh, go through their whole life, you know, dreaming of this opportunity to get into professional sport. And then to have somebody come by and say, hey, by the way, uh, you can't play anymore. I mean, that's a big blow. So uh, I wasn't part of those uh, more personal conversations, but I know it went back and forth, back and forth. And it was uh, definitely for months. And uh, like I said, the Red Wing organization was uh, very uh, thoughtful with uh, giving him the opportunity to continue to be involved in hockey with player development and scouting. I can't ask you to speak to the Bills process, but I'm assuming we've come a long way in terms of diagnosis and and looking at EKGs going into specific training camps or when players are traded or when when free agents are signed. Um, The the work that must be done and and the data that we have on players and their health for really rare and, and possibly fatal conditions, it's probably come leaps and bounds compared to 20 years ago. Correct. Correct. There, there was uh, prior, you know, we had had uh, um, no real EKGs are, you know, considered young, healthy guys. It wasn't really pushed to have an EKG because it was like, well, they're young, healthy guys. They, mm-hmm. Unless they have a complaint, they weren't uh, implementing this. And back in 2002, when I started, we started implementing EKGs and then, uh, you know, you can kind of go through the role and then with Fish's incident, Beverly's incident, Bowmeisters and the NHL specifically, EKGs are a standard now for pre-participation exams. And I believe it's throughout every league. I, I took part in a uh, conference nationally with all the major league sports, and it is uh, at least the minimum. They're all getting EKGs in professional sport. Now, if they do echocardiograms, uh, any and anything further uh, because of family history or past medical history on the player, then they they make the decision to go a little bit deeper into the diagnostics. Um, Commodio cor- uh, cortis is something that is now getting discussed a fair bit, and this seems to be uh, the the rare condition that Demar Hamlin had. Can you tell our audience a little bit about what you know about this this condition? Uh, commotion cordis is, you know, a condition that there's a QRS complex, which that's basically the electrical pattern on the EKG paper that, um, the timing of everything. So you have this, you know, contraction and repolarization of the, the myocardium, and there's a specific timing of the, um, the impact that can disturb the electrical, uh, conduction of a heart. And it has to be at the right time, at the right spot in the uh, QRS complex, right in the right location and at the right speed. And, you know, it's uh, where he, I mean, and again, that's why you don't see it all the time. And you see, you know, major hits in hockey, major hits in football, and it's not happening every day because all those three things have to meet at a perfect storm for this event to happen and for them to go into ventricular fibrillation. And usually it's related to projectiles, pucks, baseballs, lacrosse balls. And you figure the side, you know, I, I put it together in a E equals MC squared, the old Einstein equation, mm-hmm. and that energy piece because mass and then C is your velocity. So, but a baseball and a puck are pretty small little masses. And so 40 to 45 mile an hour is the velocity that they've, discovered in research but now you have this 200 pound 
player impacting a chest, so the mass just went up. So that means that velocity, it doesn't have to be a big crushing blow. The velocity becomes less important to get that same amount of energy to impact on the myocardium. It's uh, so doc- That's why it didn't look like much of a hit, but I think that's, I think uh, from my initial evaluation of the hit, that's what he was suffering from that put him in the ventricular fibrillation. Dr. Anthony uh, uh, Colucci is our guest joining us on Toronto Today. Yeah, it, it's, it does seem like it happens. It's do- been documented that it happens mostly in athletes under age 18. Now, it happens much, much more with men than women that could, or boys than girls. That happened, That could easily be the ratio of how many more boys play sport than girls. But, but it is something, it, like you just said, you get hit with a baseball, a hockey puck from a shot, or even a lacrosse ball. And um, and it's something it's something that is so, so very rare. We know much more about it. So the survival rates higher to spot it when it does happen. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of that comes into there's so many variables and we can. And again, I'm just going to presume that, you know, a lot of that under 18 and all those data that you just presented mm-hmm. is because of the size of the player, not much tissue, muscle mass or uh uh, fat tissue to protect the chest, you know, the equipment, the kind of equipment, not to mention a lot of this is because of the projectiles and, you know, that 40 to 45 miles an hour, that's not a professional league baseball player throwing a pitch because we know they're a lot throwing a lot faster than that. Uh, a hockey puck being shot or a lacrosse ball. I mean, those are about right in that age range where that's probably the speed that they can generate. So I think there's a lot of factors. And again, this is all presumption. Um, but I think that's a, a lot of the reason that it's happening at under 18. And I think survivability, you move it into the professional arena and the college, they have medical team, medical staff, equipment, AED. So they're equipped with uh, being able to respond quickly and apply the AEDs. And I think you're going to have uh, better outcomes in those groups versus people that are 18 and younger in high school and less. And if it happens, they don't have the personnel. They don't have the equipment there, so yeah. the, the results are not as favorable. Yeah, you could be on a soccer field or a baseball field, like we've all been with our kids, and you're you're a mile away from the parking lot. Um, let alone anything that can uh, that can help you in a big hurry. Hey, thanks for um, thanks for letting us uh, pick your brain a little bit on this, uh, and and I really appreciated our conversation yesterday as well. It's great to reconnect. Thanks so much, Tony. I appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. Have a great day. You bet, Dr. Anthony Colucci.